0: Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. And today, I'm joined by Alexa Price with Go Mortgage. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Before we start talking shop about mortgage, can you talk a little bit about, um, I know you've been in the the industry for quite a while, Um, what led you to get into mortgages?
1: So I was born and raised here in Turpin Springs, Florida, um, which I have really not ever left. Um, local through and through I went to the same high school my mom went to and my family was all in real estate or building so mom grandmother aunts all in real estate and then my father and my father-in-law and all my aunts and uncles basically construction so the only thing that no one was doing was finance and I love um, finance it was something I was drawn to even at a young age so I started in banking um, where I worked for a bank first. And that was in 1992. Um, and then I went straight into mortgages in 1995. And I have been in the mortgage industry ever since. Mm-hmm. So I have seen a few ups and downs in the market. And mm-hmm. I never felt the need to le- to leave the you know, industry. So there was really great years and not so great years. And uh, I've pretty much lived through it all. So if it's happened, I've probably experienced it in the in the lending world.
0: Yeah. And so we're in a time where we're going through another one of those changes, right? We've had interest rates that were historically low for an extended period of time, and now they've gone up. And there's a lot of misinformation out there that I would love to talk with you just about today's mortgage rates and how they compare to historical averages.
1: Sure. So we always kind of talk about rates in 10 year spans, um, you know, we look at 80s to 90s and rates were anywhere from, you know, eight and a half, eighteen and a half 18 and a half to 11 and a half. Um, and then you look at 90 to 2000 and those rates were from 11 and a half to eight. Um, I bought in the early 90s and I was eight and a half. So that rate seemed fine to me. Right. Because I was coming out of a market from my parents generation that I heard them say 18 and a half. So I thought that was great to get eight and a half. Um, Then you look at the next span of, you know, 2000 to 2010, and those were, you know, seven and a half to fives. And then 2010 to 2020, you go from fives down to twos, right? We had never seen twos. Um, Going through the, obviously, the pandemic, um, we weren't sure how that was going to affect rates. We were all getting a little nervous, like, where's the cycle going to go? And of course, we went really, really low. Um, never heard of, never happened before. So now you're coming out of that market and people are thinking, oh my gosh, the sky is falling because I'm calling into my local lender and I'm hearing 6.25. And now that's double what I was pre approved at. And, you know, I shouldn't buy a house because these rates. Mm-hmm. If you've been doing it for a long time, it's nothing, right? If you took that average from 80 to now, you're still historically or cumulative um, would be like seven and a half. So we're still lower than we were. I get where somebody who heard 2.75 is going to stress when they hear six and a quarter, but industry standard six and a quarter is still a very good interest rate to purchase a property.
0: Yeah. And um, so that leads me to the next question because There are people that have hit the pause button because they say, oh, well, I can't buy at six. Um, But I don't think a lot of people renting think about it from this perspective. If you continue to rent effectively, your interest rate is 100 percent because you're not getting any equity. So even at six and a half percent over the long term, you're building equity that when the rates come down, you may be able to refi into a lower rate if that happens or historically are still better than what the averages have been.
1: Correct. Do you think about it? you hear people say, um, we just exited a refinance boom, right? That boom came from higher rates at some point. So mm-hmm. some people purchased in the in the you know twos to threes. some people write refinance at a six and a half to the twos or to the threes. If you talk to those people that purchased, In the fives and sixes, and you ask them, Would you have not purchased because you had to pay six and a half? No one says no. Right. Mm -hmm. So, higher rates create a refinance boom, and that's part of the economy. So, those cycles are always going to happen. You know, rates go down, people refinance, rates go up, people still buy. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes they still refinance because they have so much equity in their property and they decide to stay in their property and they're pulling the equity out and they're doing renovations. Mm -hmm. Right. So you think about it to have a rate in the mid sixes, if you can improve your home is still very good interest rates for home improvements. So there's all different people still borrowing right now. People that own people that are renting and to your point about renting. Rent is high right now. Right. Right. So it we're in a also an unusual stage where people are struggling with their rent Mm -hmm. and rent is going up and up and up and up. So, you go back into that and you say, What can I own for what I can rent? And you almost, I don't want to say don't worry about the interest rate because obviously you should always worry about your interest rate. But at the same time, if you're renting versus owning, there really is no conversation about rate. Are you comfortable with the payment? Can you afford it? Does this property work for you? Um, Definitely own over renting. You're, You're not putting into your own pot, you're putting into somebody else's. So, don't get so fixed on the rate.
0: Right. So for someone who bought, let's say they scored one of those really low rates and they bought at two and a half percent, but now they have to move for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. What kind of conversation are you having with them about getting used to buying in this sort of interest rate climate?
1: We usually ask them what they paid for their property and how much they're making on it. Because if they bought those low interest rates, they probably bought um, at a little bit lower market and they're probably making good money on their home so they have more capital to contribute to the next property so although they may be paying a higher interest rate they would they wouldn't have the capital either so when you look at what did you pay for it what are you selling it for how do we utilize those funds and that can be done in two ways down payment but also buying down your rate so right now rate buy downs are they're the way to go right? We're not doing things really at par, meaning you're not paying points for your rate. We have a conversation with a client. Um, what are your goals, right? And a lot of our conversations are around points are based on how long do you plan on being in the property? And we'll go back through and show you your buy-down, what rate that gives you, um, those buy-down options, which will give you multiple rate options. And then how much does it cost to get that rate? How long do you plan on being on the property? What's the difference in your monthly savings? And where's the break-even point? An experienced loan officer will do that with you, right? It's not just a question of should you or shouldn't you, it's what are your goals? And when you're speaking to a client about rate buy downs, goals are very important. Then you have the seller, right? Where the market's changing a little bit and sellers are now offering incentives. So if they wanna offer an incentive, there's multiple ways to buy down your rates um, there's giving you maybe a little bit of a break for year one, year two, going into year three, or there's more of a permanent break depending on your projections of being in the property. So rate rate buy downs are important, and you know don't worry about the rate you had. You made great money on the property, and now there's a reason you're moving. So let's look at the positives and what are you getting now that you wouldn't have gotten two years ago without having that equity.
0: Mm-hmm. For buyers that are going to be in a home short term, say five or seven years, are you utilizing adjustable rate mortgages? Are they no, coming
1: in? Okay. not right now? Um, if you look at any of the websites, you're going to see the seven year arms are actually pricing out higher than 30 year fixed because previously the market wanted arms. Mm -hmm. The market right now doesn't, and it prices it accordingly. So we will use arms when the rate is more advantageous for the client. And currently in a conventional world, right, which we're talking non-jumbo, those rates are better going a 30-year fixed with a buy-down versus an arm.
0: Very interesting. So you talked about um, buying down the rate what other opportunities do you see in the current market for prospective buyers
1: i think the fact that there is more property starting to come on the market um we're seeing more options for the borrower we're also seeing less i guess you could call it a frenzy where the contract prices are not getting escalated by fear of not having anything so we're seeing sales prices set um going on the market we're not seeing people paying you know And we're talking in generalization, there's always those one-offs, but generalization, real increased in prices based on I'll pay more than you're asking. Um, The properties then are sitting a little bit longer, not long. You know, you right. go from a from a fast market to what's considered a normal market, people think something's wrong. It's been on the you know, it's been on the market for 30 days. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You right. know, it's 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 all perception and this is we're going back to normal. This is normal. Um, right. so sellers are giving incentives and they're using those incentives towards closing costs, prepaids, you know, buy downs. Um, one, you have a property to make an offer on and the sellers are being a little bit more understanding um, and they want their properties to move. So they're offering some incentives.
0: Yeah, I have found that when working with buyers, you actually can go and think and formulate an offer and not have to be writing it on the hood of the car as you're walking out of the showing because there are 14 other offers that are coming in at the same time.
1: And the emotional perspective is they don't feel so pressured. You know, Mm -hmm. you pull up to a house and there's 14 cars outside and everyone's like, I'm making an offer. And everyone's like me too, you know? And so they're able to go back and like you said, kind of process things and call us Mm -hmm. and run things by us, which is making that lending process smoother once you're in contract, because if you pre-approve somebody for 400, they get to the house, and all of a sudden you get a contract for 475, because they feel like they had to offer 75 thousand over. And then we're thinking, how are we going to pull 75 thousand dollars more out of this debt to income ratio? Mm-hmm. So they're able to call us. We are able to give them payments and make them feel a bit more comfortable in the process, like you said, not being rushed into something.
0: Yeah and can you talk about some of the current
1: challenges that buyers are facing i think there's a misconception that the lending is the biggest challenge when it comes to the interest rates and the challenge that we're having is more the insurance piece um you know we're used to giving like a a little placeholder when we're doing a pre-approval for an insurance amount and the insurance coming in pretty close to what we we put in as a placeholder because remember when someone comes in to get pre-approved they don't have a property
0: right
1: so they're asking what's my max um if I want to have this payment where should I be and we have to have conversations about you know are you looking at a flood zone are you looking at a you know a home that has an HOA um you know Property taxes come into play, insurance has come into play. So, the difficult thing right now is Florida insurance. Those quotes are coming in a lot higher than we're used to because we're losing some of our carriers. And so, when you come in to get pre approved, you know, we're trying to get a better understanding of what that insurance is going to look like because it's changed a lot in the last six months for us.
0: Yeah. I know that there's legislation that they're trying to get a hold of some of these carriers and entice them to come back with putting some limits on um, litigation and um, the amount of litigation in homeowners policies. I I heard some crazy stat, like of the nationwide insurance claims that go to litigation, almost 80% of them are in Florida, yet we represent less than 10% of the amount of policies which that's just my it is
1: and of course we have hurricanes you know how this goes so um it's just been the insurance is tricky yeah
0: yeah absolutely um so do you have any tips for a successful transaction uh for buyers who are buying in this current mortgage climate
1: i think really taking your time and getting pre-approved before you find the property um it's there's nothing harder than on a weekend when someone calls you and they're like I found the perfect house. And you know, it's very difficult to do our jobs thoroughly. Um and we don't want to do just service to the buyer, the agent or the listing side, right? So if you've got a client and they just want to put in their information, um put in their income, put in their assets and get a pre-approval letter, you're really trusting a buyer to understand the lending process and underwrite themselves. That's scary for all parties. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't understand what an underwriter is going to do when they look at your income, Um, especially if you're self-employed, if you have bonus income, if you're paid with restricted stock units, if you have maybe a divorce and there's child child support alimony figured in, Um, looking at your debts on the credit report, things that may not be on the credit report. So I always say that really take your time beforehand and submit your documentation and submit everything, right? Your income and your assets, um, let it and talk to your advisor so that we understand the whole situation. Like, did you just get divorced? Um, Those are things that we need to know. And that way we can do our job and put you in the right product, make sure that the file is going to go into the underwriter and there's not going to be any surprises. There's nothing worse than being in, con, in contract and then finding, you know, that skeleton um, mm-hmm. or that someone didn't do their job correctly. It's embarrassing for the buyer's agents. It's, it's frustrating for the seller side because maybe they've tried out the property. Um, we also want to make sure the buyer understands the funds to close piece. I can't tell you how many times we get a buyer who's been pre-approved someplace else. And I'll say, okay, so this is your sales price. You're pre-approved for this. So you're gonna need about this much to close. Mm -hmm. And they're always like, what? How is it so much to come to closing? And no one's going over like the actual cost of the loan, like preparing an estimate sheet based on that sales price, walking them through what a closing in Florida looks like, you know, what should you prepared for, how much is going to cost you, things that maybe regulation doesn't require us to show you, but that we should, mm-hmm. um, you know, we may not then look the cheapest around, but it will be accurate as far as what you're going to need for closing. So my tip is always really get pre-approved beforehand and be prepared to give your documentation. And don't get frustrated when someone says, I need your income and your assets. Um, We have a conversation a lot with buyers when they kind of fight us on providing documentation. You know, if this was your home and on a Saturday or a Sunday, a realtor was asking you to get it clean and take your children out of it and find something to do for a few hours and maybe lock your pets away, would you want to do that for someone who didn't want to give their lender their pay stubs? Think about how much time it takes a seller to prepare versus how much time it takes a buyer to give pay stubs. So really you're you're not asking a we're not asking a lot compared to what you're asking as a seller.
0: Right. And I I won't work, I won't take buyers out to view homes until they've been um fully well approved, approved. definitely yeah. pre-approved by a lender, because to your point, otherwise you're wasting everyone's time. Because if you fall in love with the perfect home, but then you come to find out that for one reason or another, you're not qualified, that's not fair to the seller um, or people that have put their time into taking that buyer out to that home.
1: Correct. And you really want to make sure that that's done correctly. Um, we also have a, what's called a finance first product, where we'll actually fully put it through underwriting. Mm. um, where we don't even need a property address. And then when the seller calls us and the, the agent calls me and says, is this buyer approved? I can actually go, not only how we reviewed it, our mm. underwriter has reviewed it. And then I can answer all those great questions about, you know, what is the credit good? We can't get personal information, but we can give you that warm and fuzzy, you know, mm. that all we're looking for is the property. So yep. if the listing agent's confident in their property, we're confident in our buyer.
0: So in essence, they're getting a loan commitment that is to be determined by the property. Correct. Provided that it it gets past the inspection and appraisal. Yes. Awesome. I would say the only other tip that I go walk through with buyers and um, because I think our property taxes are calculated differently than they are in a lot of states where people are moving in from. And people may assume that because property taxes are say 2,500 a year or 5,000 a year, that that's what they're going to continue to be. But we know when the cap resets that I've seen some of them quadruple and quintuple. So running a tax estimate on the property appraisers page prior to going into contract so they know what that would look like in year two, because it can be a pretty steep um, increase.
1: increase. The other thing that we do is if a buyer already has a property here, we will walk them how to through how to use the portability yes. estimator, um, yes. which for Pinellas County is just fabulous it's so easy mm-hmm. and I'm surprised how many people don't know how that works
0: I know And we're
1: always like you already have a house okay so we're going to go on let's show you where you actually pick your address mm-hmm. and you pick the property that you're getting ready to buy and then when it all come you know you sell yours and it transfers over these will be your taxes and they're like I had no idea and so right. many agents don't even know and their lenders specifically never talk about it so we even make sure that and we talk about you know even our veterans, um, because in Florida, we have a lot of retirees that are veterans. Yes. And if they have, um, you know, they have disability through the veterans program, a lot of times they're exempt from property taxes. Right. So we talk about that. So there's a lot of thing with taxes. And it, again, it's just taking the time to talk to your advisor and asking all the right questions and not just rushing somebody off the phone, but learning a little bit more about them. Even if you're not using a VA program, that doesn't mean they still can't go through the disability piece.
0: Right. Absolutely. And you can port up to $500,000 of um, credit towards the property taxes, which is a substantial lowering.
1: Um, right. So kind of back to the other question, happened. when they talk about moving forward to the next property, mm-hmm. getting scared about the property taxes, that's a question we also do is the portability piece.
0: Yeah. absolutely. And you have up to three years um two plus to make that change so if you you know are buying new construction and your home isn't completed but you know you're moving out you don't have to do it right away when you move you have some time to to port that over so um what differentiates go mortgage from other lenders
1: so I always tell people there's a couple things, right? Um, one is the team that you're working with is very experienced. So my group, um, which is the price mortgage group at go, we have years and years experience. Um, I've been in the industry. Um, Tanya has been in the industry. Heather has been in the industry. Everyone that works here is licensed and we are not just intake order people, <laughs> right? Um, the girls really know how to read tax returns, bank statements, um, so when we're submitting a file, it's we're not worried about it, like we're not new in the business. We've been doing this for a long time. Um, and that does matter. And we do look at buying a home as part of your financial plan. Mm-hmm. So we do ask a lot of questions about what is your intent, right? What is your goal? What are you looking for? Um, that helps us determine down payment products. Um, buy downs, things like this. And then when it goes into our underwriters, these are our our underwriters, right? Our underwriters, closers, processors, everything's internal, um, which makes for a very smooth process. We're not outsourcing anything. So you've got experienced people. Secondly, we've got great programs. Um, We have the same programs, the Fannie Freddie conventional FHA VA, but we also have a lot of portfolio programs. And because we've been doing it for a long time, we understand products that I think some people don't. You know, the DSCR loans, the debt service, which is a debt servicing product um, for investors that maybe don't have income, but the property qualifies itself. We do a lot of the condo tell products. Um, You know, we're preferred lenders for some of the properties that have been here locally in Clearwater. But we've done projects in like Miami, um, which is really helpful because Florida condos, which can be a little tricky. You need to know what you're doing with those. Um, And, you know, we just take our time. You know, we're not a a shop that's going to rush you through the process. So experience, um, working with the local market, understanding the local market. You know, we've raised families here, children here. We get questions about school districts. Um, you know, I, I bought and sold my own properties here. So I'm not telling you to do something that I haven't done myself. You know, we've owned rental properties. So I understand the process of real estate to construction, to lending. And I'm not afraid to tell you that that's not a great idea. I wouldn't do that. People will say, if this was your child or your mother, would you do this? And I'll answer those questions honestly. Um, which is helpful.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of construction, can you talk about those um, construction to perm products?
1: Yes. So most lenders do not do construction to perm financing. Um, we actually do. Whether you own the land or you're looking to acquire the land, um, we will help you finance your construction. So, and it's not just cookie cutter products. It's great. We love it if you have perfect credit and great income and a large down payment. But if you don't, uh, we have what's called non-qualified products, non-QM. And we actually do non-QM on our new construction as well. So if you haven't found the house and you want to have one built, we can help you, which means when you get pre-approved with us, you're not jumping around to all these different institutions based on product. We can do it right here.
0: And does that include if you bought a house to? tear it down, and then build on that same lot? Mm -hmm. It does.
1: Yep. So the thing that's tricky is you just can't start building, right? So if you come to us and you've already started the foundation work, something along those lines, that can make it hard. But if you're talking about buying something and having it tore down, that's okay. You just can't start building on it before you come see us. That's, That's the drawback.
0: Got it. And then looping back to sort of unforeseen things. I think One of the things with Experian and Credit Karma, people being able to access their credit scores all the time, they may run it and think, oh, I'm good to go. All I need is a 640 or 660. But can you talk about how the differences, I I believe there is a, a special number for people that are looking to buy a home that isn't necessarily the same as what they would see on those sites.
1: So what happens, and I'll and I'll do it on a very um, non deep dive level because credit card scores get really confusing. So it is great that you know your Capital One card um, has this almost like identity theft check, right? Mm-hmm. Primarily, that's what those services should be used for if someone's trying to access your credit, but they are not good indications of what your score is going to be from a mortgage perspective. So if you even Google, why is my credit karma score so much higher than my mortgage lender, you're going to get inundated with research and understanding. But basically, there's I tell people there's three different things when it comes to credits. There's, I want to see if someone's taken my identity, right? That's high level. Then you start into the single bureaus where you're a renter and you have to go in and get water turned on, right? So you're going to get a really reasonable couple dollar report from your utilities company, whether or not they're going to give you service or if they're going to charge you for the service, but you're getting service either way. Then you have car loans, right? Where they're going to be giving you an asset, a titled asset, um, typically not as expensive as a home, right? Mm-hmm. So their credit profile might be a little bit off too. And then there's mortgages. When we go in, we're pulling everything, all three bureaus, judgments, liens. Have you paid the IRS? Because we have the most to lose, right? Mm -hmm. We're giving the most amount of money. We're getting maybe less from you than we're giving. So the credit scores always are different than what you see from like Credit Karma. Um, they're they're not going to be a good indication of what your mortgage rating is going to be when you go to qualify for a property. So even more to the effect of why get Mm pre-approved, you really don't know. If you think Credit Karma is telling you your score for lending, it's not.
0: Right. And and something as small as a missed payment could affect you for up to a year, correct?
1: Especially if it's a current missed payment, you know, if it just happened or a medical collection. You know, medical collections by nature do not need to be paid from a lender's perspective, but they're great at going in and re-reporting every single month that you haven't paid them. So although we are not going to say you have to pay your collection to buy the property, if you don't pay that medical collection, your score is going to continue to get dinked. So sometimes we'll say pay it because it's going to help you repair your credit, not because lending requires it. But medical collections are great at just really wreaking havoc. Um, Also, the usage on your credit, Mm-hmm. Um, someone will say to me, you know, someone pulled my credit and now you pulled it. And my score is 20 points less. You pulling the credit, drop my credit score. Well, no, you know, in December, people are using their credit cards for Christmas heavy, mm-hmm. right? So if you've got a credit card, that's got a $5,000 balance on it and you put all your airline tickets on it and your vacations, and then you bought your Christmas presents. And now all of a sudden, you know, you owe fifty, one hundred. you know, when I pulled your credit, it's a 5100. When somebody pulled it in October, it was zero, mm-hmm. right? And that can change your credit scores. It's not the lender pulling the credit that changed the score. It's the fact that your usage is a moving balance, a moving target. And so if all your credit cards are at the higher end, when I pull it and somebody else pulled it and they were paid off, that can change it. If you've got great credit, it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. This applies to someone who more has like a 620 you know, and then maybe they drop below 600 and it changes the product. If you've got a 740, 760, you know, anything in that range, it really, if you use your credit card and we pull it, it's not going to change a whole lot. Uh, it's, it's high usage for maybe if you're worried about qualification.
0: Awesome. So for people who have found this to be informative and would like to work with you or a member of your team, what is the best way for people to connect with you?
1: I actually give out my cell phone number. I'm a big person on just call me first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give out my cell phone number. And then of course you can text me, you could email me. Um, I'm happy to give out that information. Um, we can put it here. Or I can tell you now. I will,
0: I'll drop okay. it in the show notes.
1: Perfect. And then, yes. So I give out my personal number. Yep. I'm good with text and phone calls and emails. So there's pretty much no way that we won't reply back to you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. I know that it will help a lot of information and, uh, I appreciate everything that you've shared.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes.